Recorded live from here, there, and everywhere, this is Transformation Thursday's Safe at Home Edition. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. The COVID-19 pandemic has us recording our podcasts at our homes. All social gatherings have been suspended pretty much everywhere, and this includes performances. That means Amy Stevens is not doing her stand-up comedy, and I'm not performing my shows. The... The ability for transgender people to perform at all is our topic for today's episode. In 2014, Time Magazine announced that society had reached a tipping point for transgender performers. Our guest today is a transgender performer and a theater scholar who's taking an academic look at whether or not things have actually changed for trans performers and if that change is for the better. Our conversation with Nicholas Shannon Savard will begin about a minute after our traditional music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loonie, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses. And by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. Amy, do you remember that 2014 Time Magazine article about what they called the transgender tipping point? Are you referring to the May 29th edition with Laverne Cox on the cover in that really smart blue sheath dress, ankle strap pumps, and gorgeous blonde hair? Um, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Well, that article came out exactly one month after I finally admitted to myself that I was transgender. I remember feeling very hopeful about things when it came out. Not as a performer, really, because at that point, I wasn't doing any performing, but just as a trans woman about to come into the world. Six years and one extremely unsettling election later, we're looking at whether or not we had a tipping point at all. Our guest, Nicholas Shannon Savard, is a gender queer theater maker, director, scholar, and educator. They are finishing their PhD in theater at The Ohio State University, where they study theater for social change and queer feminist performance. 
Their dissertation project is titled Beyond LGB Theater's Token T, Transgender Self-Representation on Stage, and explores trans creators of original works before and after Time Magazine's declaration of the transgender tipping point. And he joins us now from deep in the heart of the Buckeye State, Nicholas Shannon, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, we enjoy being had. So could you please give us a, a, a little bit of a rundown of what this dissertation is and how you got to it? Uh, sure. Um, so basically I'm looking at trans people writing their own original work, most of the time performing it too, um, mostly because that seems to be really the only way most of us are getting on stage at this point. Um, we've got some published plays out there um, when they're written by trans people, they're not getting produced a whole lot. Um, when they're written by cis people, there's a role once in a while, um, but not nearly enough for all of us. But I knew there were trans people making theater, so I wanted to know, where the hell are we? <laughs> um, and I like to kind of half joke, it's it's really only half a joke um, that I'm really just trying to get Ohio State to pay me to go and make friends who do what I do uh, because I'm also a solo performer. Um, I guess kind of through I, my own experience touring my show, Five and a Half Feet of Fearsome, I was coming across um, a lot of these different things where I was finding people found my show to be very educational, which was not how I'd written it or intended it to be. Um, I had written it because I just wasn't seeing people like me on stage um, and was trying to figure out really what do I do in this political climate to kind of have my voice heard. And a lot of the reactions that I was getting from people was, whoa, I learned a lot. Um, and people wanting to have these like really intense personal conversations with me. So I was kind of wondering, what does that mean to be trans and be publicly visible and kind of have this expectation put on you? Um, and I was wondering if other trans folks were having similar experiences and what we were doing with all of that. You said a couple things in here, so I want to parse a couple of them out. I think, you know, not only, you know, if cis people do write a role for a transgender portray or character, protagonist, however you want to phrase that, a lot of times those roles are still going to cisgender actors. And right, and right before the COVID-19 stuff, I pay attention, there was a production that was supposed to be on the West End in London, and that went to a cisgender actor. And that caused a big scene there. So, I mean, we even when the roles are there, they don't go to us. Can yeah. you speak to that? Um, that is a very, very common practice, which really only just very recently um, people have started speaking out against and about. I think um, part of what my dissertation is going to be looking at is how um, when we're writing about ourselves versus cis work, when cis people playing trans roles, there tends to be this kind of double standard where uh, cis people playing trans roles are like 
rewarded for their amazing acting skills. Like, how could you embody this person who is completely different from you? Yet, when trans people tell the same story, usually in a much more nuanced way, um, it's just like we're not taken seriously. Um, These people are literally winning awards for playing us. Yeah, that's kind of sad because we just get a token mention. That just makes us the token as you talk about. Yeah. So uh, how many um, transgender performers are you going to be interviewing slash have you interviewed so far? I think so far I've interviewed five people. I've got three more, four more interviews set up next week. According um, to my application to the IRB, which is the University Internal Review Board, I can up, interview up to 75 people. Do you think you are there 75 transgender performers out there that uh, are creating their own works? Yes, there are. Um, I've got I had a spreadsheet of 58 um, and then I just got about 10 more people recommended to me. Um from one of the people who I'm hopefully interviewing next week. Uh, what have you found so far? Because uh, I just just uh, for the sake of uh, everyone knowing this, the way I came across you is that you approached me to be one of the people uh, to be interviewed for your dissertation. Mm-hmm. And I found it so fascinating because, of course, it's involving me uh, <laughs> that I had to, that I had to get you on the uh Penny, that deserves that deserves an echo, just so you know. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so you're just at the beginning of this, and you've written, gotten these five people. What what are you finding? Because my performance story is is really close to yours, where mm-hmm. I would have people coming up after the the show to me and saying the exact same thing that that it was uh, a learning experience for them, and so you know I'm leaning into it personally. But uh, I can see how some people could find that to be to be an issue. So what are you finding? Um, yeah, I am finding, I think, yeah, everyone that I have interviewed so far has said that has been one of the primary reactions from people um, is uh, one, finding it educational and learning a lot from it. And the other one is there's a lot of cis straight men being very surprised that they could relate to our stories. Yeah, I get that a lot, too. Uh, a lot of and, and a lot of incredul- incredulity from people not recognizing the sorts of things that that we as transgender uh, folk go through on a daily basis. Yeah. And I would also want, you know, because I do stand up comedy, I don't do storytelling or the performances like you two do, mm-hmm. but you know, and I, my comedy is more about the funny shit that people say to me as being a transgender person, especially revolving around surgery and what I'm going to do with the middle parts of my body. But even that, I mean, I've had transgender people come up to me after a set and hug me and thank me for portraying us in a normal and human way. That's not done very often. Have you seen that at all? Uh, that's That's been a lot of the response that people have said they've gotten from trans and queer people um, is a lot of gratitude, a lot of feeling seen. Um a lot of young trans folks like coming with parents and be like, I brought my mom to this and now she kind of gets it a little bit more so than just me telling my own story to her. 
So that's been kind of cool. Yeah, last year I did a comedy show and it was in, it wasn't, well, it didn't do it as part of our Pride event here locally, but I did it, you know, around that same time. And I know for a fact that there were parents of transgender children there and they walked out with that same impression. And I also made it a point that to create that safe space barrier purposely mm -hmm. by saying, you know, as transgender queer people in our society, tonight we're going to laugh and be funny and there's going to be a lot of queer and trans people up here doing that but we're not going to be the butt of the joke we're going to be making the jokes and yeah. so i think creating that safe place is so needed within our society so i appreciate the efforts you're doing there thank you yeah i think that is something that's come up a lot too is people kind of using comedy to take um kind of a power position on stage that we don't get to do a lot in daily life where we can kind of turn tropes on their head um, and talk back a little bit to these kind of cultural stereotypes and things like that, the things that the media says about us, things that come up in pop culture. Like we're mentally ill and all that stuff. Yeah. I have a bit in my show about that um, where I talk about collecting acronyms. And if you can get the entire alphabet, then you will be inducted into the Hall of Fame of the gender deviants and other queer folks. Yeah, your show, Five and a Half Feet of Fearsome, uh, it kind of like takes the entire thing, uh, that, that entire trope, like you said, and turns it around. You play a, a commandant of sorts indoctrinating the most recent a uh, brigade of trans folk that have been transed by you. Uh, and, and so it's hilarious. Uh, and, and, and it's, it, and so much of what you do just resonates with me because I do feel like sometimes those that's, that's the way society views us. Um, part of the inspiration for that show and that persona came out of the ridiculous things that people told me that they were worried about. Like I, at Ohio State, I teach, I came from teaching high school before that. Um, people were worried that I was going to convince my students that they were trans if I came out to them. Um, and just all of that gets repeated in the media. So part of how that kind of recruitment uh, persona came about was this idea of, okay, so what if I were actually doing absolutely everything that Fox News says I am? <laughs> and I found that to be a really empowering thought. <laughs> like I am causing all kinds of chaos in bathrooms, just destroying the fabric of the American family, burdening the entire medical system all by myself. Item number three on the transgender agenda is burdening the American medical system. <laughs> We're quite good at it. <laughs> the tweeting Cheeto in chief has been trying to put a stop to us for almost two years now, but no matter how many Christian freedom executive orders he signs, or how many federal organizations he tries to ban us from, he will never thwart us in our mission to continue being transgender people who need to see doctors! Yeah. <laughs> Not to brag. 
my fair share of forcing the American medical system to confront my trans body. And I've had tremendous success in costing my insurance company thousands of dollars. And although my process has felt very long, I am positive that any one of you lovely people could drag it out so much longer than I have. <laughs> I think your point here, too, is, you know, one of the things in that video and what I've seen from your work as well, Nicholas, is, you know, history has a way of repeating itself. The stuff that was said 20, 30 years ago yeah. about the um, gay population is being brought up today. So, I mean, that all it's all cyclical. So, I mean, talk about that from your perspective and how you're seeing that play out in today's college campus environment. I don't know so much about in the college campus environment. Um, but like in pop culture and in the media, it is really a lot of those kind of same tropes coming back. Um, the same things that we were saying about gay men and lesbians um, in the 1980s, 1990s are just recurring. They're just about a different population now. It's, it's always very much, what about the children? Um, we're very concerned about what these people are doing behind closed doors, very concerned about our just controlling our bodies, really. Yeah, and I think that's just a fascination in general with a lot of people because I yeah. see that coming from, you know, a religious background, you know, my the church that I come out of, the only thing that, you know, the Mormon church has recently released guidelines on how to handle transgender people and they say you can take hormones but don't transition and we want to know what surgeries you have so but they're not going to ask that really of any other people within that organization but yet yeah. when it comes to us as transgender people that's a fair question and that in society is pervasive and needs to go away so how do we how do we continue to fight back against that um i think really it starts with just calling it out calling out like hey this standard is not applied to other people. Why are we doing this? Um, and kind of breaking that down. Um, because really this idea of controlling people's bodies, it's, it's not just trans people that we do that with. Um, like, in this country anyway, it's really common. Like we're always trying to control women's bodies. We're trying to control people of color's bodies. We're trying to control basically where can people be and how can they be in the world? And just anyone who's kind of beyond that is either shamed or excluded. Yeah, and that speaks to a larger power dynamic that I think, you know, really comes into play and we, we're even seeing it now right now with this outbreak that this pandemic too yeah. states trying to enact abortion bans in the middle of all this so i think your, your point's well taken yeah last night at the eve of we're recording this on the 31st of march which is transgender day of Vis visibility and last night almost at the stroke of midnight the governor of idaho signed into law a a, an anti-transgender bill that restricts transgender athletes, specifically male to female mm -hmm. transgender athletes, from performing. And not only that, but it's 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 so restrictive that if somebody 
accuses a cisgender woman of being transgender, they have to undergo uh, hormone testing and get a note from their doctor and subject themselves to, I think it was called external and internal genital That's examination. So invasive and gross. To, yeah, to, to, to prove that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also unconstitutional. I mean, even in the... But yet this is where, this is the fight that we are finding ourselves, which is, I think, kind of why we are doing these performances. There's the, the minority, the, the uh, marginalized have a history of yeah. performing brilliant satires in the face of which, restrictions. Yeah, really, that's where a lot of the genre of solo performance comes from. It's uh really kind of exploded in the 80s and 90s um with lgbt people with uh a lot of people of color a lot of feminists um going out and creating spaces for themselves to be heard in a culture that didn't want to hear them in bigger political realms so if you can't enact change there you can change people's hearts and minds in a more cultural way. Yeah, it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. And it's really going to be fascinating to see your your dissertation when you're done with this. What is the timetable on your dissertation? Um, so I've got the rest of this semester and Ohio State stops funding me um, at the end of spring of 2021. And so that is when I will be done writing my dissertation. <laughs> Such an academic answer. When I run out of money. Then I'm done. <laughs> yep. <laughs> something that I want to bring back to something that, that you said, Nicholas, earlier about what people think about us is so entirely different mm -hmm. from the way we are. As we've been doing the show, we have come across a number of uh, transgender folk who are exactly opposite. Instead of being uh, people that children should be afraid of, maybe it is our, our empathy or something like that, but there's so much work that we do that is just naturally... Uh, empathetic with children and others, I think in some ways we are some of the more useful people to have. You were, a, you were a teacher. You are a, you are a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of uh, trans people that I know who are now getting into um, church and, and, and religious work. It's, it's really, it's really important that we bring those, those things to the forefront. And uh, I don't know how else to do it besides performing. I've found theater to just be a really good place to make connections with people, uh, which makes it such a great place, a great space for community building and for social change, um, which I guess I'm a little biased about that because that's specifically what I study. Um, but there's something about that element of like being present with one another and um, developing that empathy and literally having to put yourself in someone else's shoes in theater. That's what we do when we're playing other people. Um, or even if we're in the audience, we're going along for the ride with this other person. 
um, which it makes it so much harder to be biased against people when you have heard and had to open your heart up to their experience. Yeah, that's the important thing with theater. Uh, that's 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 the that's the best use of theater that there is. Mm-hmm. And I also think one of the things is is that theater and in-person stuff is so much more suited for interacting with people. One of the things Penny and I've talked about is, you know, being online on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, it's such an echo chamber and nobody's going to listen to us. And so these the war here is probably going to be one in our favor, but it's not going to be done online. It's going to be the individual battles. And I hate to use the war metaphor, but it's going to be going out and meeting people face to face, having these conversations, showing people that we're not mentally ill, that we we are who we say we are in in our life experiences. And those Mm -hmm. are going to win people over more than that Facebook argument with my uncle in Minnesota who doesn't want to hear from me anymore. Yeah, it's for me, that's kind of the opposite of war. It's trying to get people to put down their shields, trying to get people to recognize the humanity in us. And I think a performance, well, a well-played performance where we touch people's emotions not their thoughts, but their emotions. My, my belief is that um, stories are important because stories make you feel. Mm-hmm. And all of our decisions are based on feelings. Our feelings inform our attitudes, which inform our behaviors, which inform our choices. So as we perform, either in stand-up comedy or as you and I do, uh, Nicholas, on, in, in theatrical performances, that's, that's what we're called to do. And I'm so glad that you're making these connections, and I'm so excited to see uh, the results of your dissertation. Me too. Uh, maybe in 2020. You said 2021. 2021. Yeah, if we're if we're out of this uh, isolation, maybe <laughs> we can have you back on then and talk about what happens, what, yeah. what you've discovered. Definitely. And one last question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the way Amy introduced you, it was like the Ohio State University. Yes. So are there are there other Ohio State universities? Is there like an <laughs> imposter and an Ohio State University? Um, there is Ohio University. Yeah. Uh, there are several branches of the Ohio State University. I don't know the story behind this. Um, I found I missed a lot of the university culture because I only came for grad school. Um, so I... All the traditions and things are over my head, um, but I've been corrected enough times by other people yeah. to remember to write the Ohio State. Well, I'm I'm a Big Ten fan, and I'm not from Ohio. I'm from Minnesota, so all my and I'm a Gopher fan. So everything I have revolving around Ohio State is jealousy of their athletic prowess. Um, on the football field and everything else. So, you know, I'll just lay my cards on the table there. But every Buckeye fan I know is very particular. It is the Ohio State University. So glad I got that right for you, Nicholas. <laughs> as soon as as soon as soon Amy said that, I said, oh, I realized, yeah, there's another person who's been following, at, following sports. The other thing about Ohio, it's like there's a Miami of Ohio, and Miami is in Florida, yeah. yet there's a school there. I don't get that. 
Well, the, the thing about that is that's pretty much where the modern fraternity system started was at Miami of Ohio. Well, I'll try to overlook that. Nicholas Shannon Savard, <laughs> thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And we will uh, come back with a couple of quick thoughts right after this. Stay tuned. This is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to TransformationThursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to transformation thursday i'm penny sterling and my pronouns are she her did you have to think about your name there for a second penny i have to think about everything anymore i have to be very deliberate in things uh i it, it's a problem that i have uh where i will speak without thinking and so i need to be more intentional in everything that i do well, we we all do that. No, oh, by the way, my name's Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. And you're a great co-host, and I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad we had a chance to sit down and talk with Nicholas Shannon. They are doing a very interesting um, dissertation, and I, 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 not just because I'm in it, uh, which I am, by the way, uh, but their their point is really valid. And my 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 takeaway is. I, I, I thought that I was gonna that I was the only person when I when I first started doing my show that was doing this kind of educational stuff, and I, I think that at least for us, this generation of performers, we're not going to get away from this. That uh, if there was a tipping point, and if there is a, a change, the change that we are now out there doing that, and we are uh, able to speak our truths and maybe pave the road for the next generation of transgender performers. Yeah, and I think along with that is if you look at any great societal changes and advancements, you know, right after that advancement, there's always a recoil. Something There's always an attempt within society to bring it back. You know, looking at our American experiment here on this continent, we went through that after the Civil War. We went through that with Jim Crow laws. We went through that with the civil rights and everything. You know, we thought we were coming out of this through the 80s and 90s, but now we find ourselves in this moment not only with racial relations with the alt-right, but also within that same group, the pushback to marriage equality, to that transgender tipping point. So it's it's just part of human nature, and it's part of the ebb and flow of life and society. So I think what we're doing, what Nicholas is doing, what other performers are doing by pushing transgender awareness is we are paving the road for that next generation. And I think you and I have the personality traits where we are put we're trying to pay it forward for that next generation. I mean, you and I are, you know, in the second half of our lives, we don't need to do this. We could transition, live quietly and have a perfectly happy life. 
but we but we also have those personality types as somebody who says around me hey i like the attention so i'm going to make sure i you know if i do want some attention i'm going to at least make it worthwhile to get it so hopefully people appreciate it yeah you have my attention all the time amy oh yeah and i personally yeah as far as i'm concerned um i've said this before i I'm old. I have a very limited number of fucks to give anymore, and I'm not going to give them about what anybody thinks about me. Well, and actually, you've lived more, uh, you know, twice the amount of life that you have left to live. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> I've heard that from somebody before. Yes, I'm sure so, whoever it was is a brilliant and, uh, and, and hilarious performer. Very good storyteller, from what I understand. Yeah. But 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 you know that's why you that's why you do the things you do. That's why you get up and even though you're staying home through this pandemic, you're putting on the makeup, you're getting dressed because you want to look pretty. You want to live your life on your terms. And granted, there are forces on us right now that prevent us from doing that. But at the same time, we're taking the ownership of our lives and we're going to push forward no matter what happens. So, yep. you know. Well, let's get to my takeaway. How's that? That's a, that sounded like your takeaway right there, but go for it. Oh, I had a different one. Well, take, you can have two takeaways, you know. Help yourself. Okay. okay, the other one was an inadvertent takeaway. How's that? <laughs> it's kind of like when you go into a restaurant and you kind of have to leave right away, so you grab a, you grab a to-go box. and I, I don't know if that ever happens to anybody else, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, my big takeaway from this is, you know, Nicholas really spent some, you know, good part of this in the early part talking about how the, tr the trends within the within their research is so it, what's coming out is that people are so thankful for us, you know, for us making these performances. And I say us as you as a storyteller, me as a stand up comedian from time to time. But to have, you know, even other gender, queer and trans people thank us for our straightforward presentations, having cisgender people approach us and being able to empathize with any part of our story, being able to see the absurdity in the way we're treated really helps and pushes us forward. And I've said this about my performances on stage as a stand up comic. If you're a transphobe and you're dead set against us, nothing I'm going to say is ever going to change your mind about us as transgender people. But if you're on the fence, I'm going to give you that nudge and you're going to come to my side. And that's the way I look at this. And we're just trying to nudge our societies along. But seeing, but to know that we're not alone and having that that data validation from Nicholas is 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 a gives me a good warm feeling right down right down here in the middle of the bosom. Yeah, and the ample bosom that you have there, and. <laughs> On, the, on, on those magnificent notes, I think it's time to wrap up this uh, this particular episode of Transgender Thursday. Uh, if you Transformation like, Thursday, you still get the name Like wrong. I said, I have to be intentional in my speaking because whenever I speak off the cuff, the cuff gets frayed. So, well, you and somebody else down in D.C. Yeah, so. all the time. So, yeah, oh, oh, thank you for that com that, that, Thank you for that comparison, Amy. I really appreciate that. Uh, uh, that was ironic, Amy, or sarcastic, one or the other. I'm not really sure which. But a little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. So if you like what you're hearing, even with my malapropisms and everything else that I do wrong, why don't you send us a couple of bucks through the Patreon page that we have? It's uh, it's the least you can do, and it's going to help us to bring all these interesting people to our show. But that's it. And you can and you can find that at transformationthursday.com. That'll bring you right to our Patreon page. Not Transgender Thursday, Amy? No, not transgender. Transformationthursday.com.
And the worst part about this is I'm the one that came up with the damn name in, in the first place. Oh, well. Oh, well. It's been a great, another great show, Amy. Thank you very much for being there. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and have a great day. Good night, everybody.